Howdy, Perry sisters and allies. Beth, Annie, Nat, and future guests are here to talk about how perimenopause is affecting our lives. We have more than likely been boozing, so if you're easily offended or you're looking for serious medical advice, you should see yourself out right now. When I say your name, Annie, that's your cue to speak. Got it. Okay. <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> or if Matt says your name. Or if I say your name, right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Got it. Just saying, plan. What's behind these fits of rage? Decreased libido and dry vag stage. Why can't I focus on this fucking page? It's perimenopause. Hello and welcome to Beth and Annie's Perimena podcast. I am one of your hosts, Beth, and I have been in perimenopause since I was 38. I am now 44. I'm here with my sister, Annie. Hi, I'm 42, or or on Friday, I'll be 42, and I've been in perimenopause for about four years. When I was 38, I started. Yep. And Nat, why why are you here? I'm here mostly to learn and, you know, to give support, hopefully, to my hypothetical wife, who may or may not be similar age to you and may or may not be going through something comparable. Um, And since I'm not going through perimenopause I don't have to give my age right I suppose not all right I'm I'm ballpark uh, with the two of you but I'm really grateful to be here I've learned a ton even in the first episode and I can tell looking at the agenda for this one I'm going to learn a bunch more okay awesome so this is episode two we're going to cover mood no you're not going crazy in episode one we explored what perimenopause is Um, so future episodes will also focus on each of the symptoms women must endure. Uh, there's, there's more information about puberty, pregnancy, childbirth, and menopause. There seems to be a black hole when it comes to information about perimenopause. The goal of our podcast is to educate, um, to let you know this is normal and natural what you're going through, to validate and support you are not alone and to normalize it so we can start more. You guys pretty good at at laughing at yourselves about this and have you always been? Yes. Has that uh, always been the case? Was there not, a time that you were a little more sensitive or have you like grown into it? Yeah, for sure. Before kids, I was, I was really sensitive, but now I have no nerve endings. So I just think everything's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's looking at the bright side. It is. It is. This is a pretty broad title of an episode. We're talking about mood. Mood is all encompassing. I mean, it's a big umbrella that a lot of stuff goes under. So I'm going to ask you a seriously broad question and you know, feel free to elaborate on this. What are some common mood issues associated with this? Uh, and these can be ones that you personally are experiencing or just ones on the list that maybe you have been fortunate enough not to have to deal with. What are some common mood issues out there associated with perimenopause? Depression, anxiety, and then there's a lot of irritability. We'll talk more about irritability later. But I can speak to the depression piece of it. I I do have depression, so I have the, the relatable story, the lived experience. There we go. But it can actually give you the DSM-5, like the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the fifth one, like their definition. And also depression, right now it's classified as major depressive disorder, but it's the same thing when people say depression or clinical depression, it's all the same thing. In terms of what that means, clinical depression is when symptoms last more than two weeks 
for example. That's <laughs> is hilarious. I feel like she's playing right outside your door. I'm cracking up as you're describing <laughs> clinical depression. I'm coming off as the biggest asshole in the world right now. <laughs> I apologize to all the viewers like out there. There's the literally background. a marching yeah. band right outside Annie's door. <laughs> Our district is shut down, so all learning is remote. And yeah, oh my God, we're <laughs> pure survival mode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So depression, symptoms, things to look for. Uh, I'm going to list 10 of them. The first one, changes in sleep, changes in appetite, lack of concentration, loss of energy, lack of interest in activities that used to interest you, um, slowed cognition like brain fog, hopelessness or guilty feelings, changes in movement, so less, less activity or you may feel agitated, uh, physical aches and pains, so it actually manifests physically, and then suicidal thoughts. According to the North American Menopause Society, women who experience depression when they were younger are more likely to encounter it during perimenopause and menopause. That's me. Michael Kerr submitted an article to Healthline, and in this article, he states that hot flashes and depression are related. Women with a higher frequency of hot flashes report more difficult depression symptoms. He also cites a study led by Bernard Harlow and published in the Archives of General Psychiatry in 2003, in which the authors found that early onset perimenopause perimenopause is correlated with the history of depression. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, okay. I'll go ahead. It's 3 a.m. and I cannot sleep. I'm tired and hot and trying not to weep. Why did he buy that fucking Jeep? It's perimenopause. I was just going to say, Annie covered depression. Beth, do you feel like you might be the resident expert on anxiety? Um, Yeah, so Annie and I have talked about this uh, quite a bit over the years. And she tends more towards the depressive symptoms, and I tend more towards anxiety symptoms. In general, for our mental health, they have gotten worse as we have um, encountered perimenopause. So anxiety is typically considered persistent or excessive fear or worry in situations that aren't necessarily threatening. Emotional symptoms can include feelings of apprehension or dread. You might feel tense or jumpy, restless or irritable. You might try and anticipate the worst that's going to happen in a situation and then watch for signs of danger. So it's like you're on high alert all the time. Um, Our mom calls it the wolves are at the door. So where are the wolves? Are they out in the fields? Are they right at the door? Are they breaking the door down? Like that's the, those are the different sort of levels of anxiety. Physical symptoms can include heart racing or palpitations, shortness of breath, sweating, tremors and twitches, headaches, fatigue, insomnia, upset stomach, frequent peeing or diarrhea tons of fun. I have experienced all of those. And there are different types of anxiety disorders. So there's PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and panic disorder where you have panic attacks. So you can have just panic disorder where you have panic attacks, or you can have GAD, the generalized anxiety disorder without panic attacks. So just because you have panic attacks doesn't mean you have GAD or PTSD, but there are some comorbidities too. Like you can have both of them. Annie, we had referenced really early in the podcast that we were going to elaborate further on stuff like irritability. And of course that's attached to one of the most severe 
and also one of the most entertaining to hear about like when it comes to stories and stuff like that but no joke at all of course that's attached to rage one of the things that pops up on these symptoms lists quite a lot we heard beth in the last episode refer to herself as homicidal on more than one occasion what can you tell us about that aspect that part of the mood piece well interestingly it doesn't follow under its own category irritability isn't so usually it's comorbid or it exists with another condition Hmm. such as depression anxiety Um, and there's a newer one that was new to me when I was doing research and it's called intermittent explosive disorder and it sounds like diarrhea that's that's what I think of and it's messy and unpredictable kind of like diarrhea so it's an easy name to remember but I can go over some of those specifics as well Um, so intermittent you know every once in a while unpredictable it's not a consistent timeline Explosive, we know what that means, disorder, involves repeated sudden outbursts of impulsive, aggressive, violent behavior, or angry verbal outbursts in which you read, react grossly out of proportion to the situation. So it's a molehill, but you're acting as if it's a mountain, like that kind of expression. Um, Symptoms, uh, explosive eruptions occur suddenly with little or no warning, usually lasting less than 30 minutes. These episodes may occur frequently or be separated by weeks or months of non-aggression. Uh, Aggressive episodes may be preceded or accompanied by rage, irritability, increased energy, racing thoughts, tingling, tremors, palpitation, chest tightness. Uh, The explosive verbal and behavioral outbursts are out of proportion to the situation with no thought to consequences and can include temper tantrums, tirades, heated arguments, shouting, slapping, shoving, pushing, physical fights, property damage, threatening or assaulting people or animals. So I'm reading this and feeling kind of alarmed because that's definitely me. A lot of these apply to me. All right. So I have a couple questions, if that's okay. Of course. First thing, obviously, I always love hearing specific examples of some of these if you're willing to share them. But the first question I had to ask was, you say reacting in a way that's just completely disproportionate to, to how basically you should be reacting something happens and you react like it's just a huge thing because in the moment it is a huge thing to you when obviously at some point you come to the realization that that has happened how long does it usually take you to realize oh wow that was that was an overreaction because in the moment i'm sure it doesn't seem like it is yes i actually keep track of my phone oh yeah uh, because i've noticed patterns of behavior within myself and although like the actual behavior is unpredictable. I can usually tell when during the month this is going to happen. The other day I was doing dishes and somebody just added an extra plate when I was done, which normally it's not, a, it's really not a big deal. Like I can either set it aside or I can go ahead and wash it. I can ask them to do it. But I think for me, it was just, I think it was more of a biochemical reaction and I exploded. And what that looks like is I'm berating the person and like accusing them of not respecting me, not respecting my time. I didn't throw anything, but I have thrown like a shoe in the past, but it, it seems extremely out of proportion to the actual situation. And it usually, and I, but in the moment it feels, yeah, you're right. Like it feels very justified and very like, this is absolutely the course of action that I need to be taking. But then it's usually afterwards when I've calmed down, when I'm no longer escalated that I realize, okay, yeah, that was actually unnecessary. And it was really out of proportion to the situation. So yeah, like I said, because I track it on my phone, I can kind of tell it like, okay, this week is going to be really rough. Like I can't specify a specific day, but this is new behavior to me. I've always been anxious and depressed by nature, but like the sudden fits of irritability and uh-huh. rage, that's, that's very much like perimenopause onset. Yeah. 
how do you play that after the fact once you come to the realization okay this was an overreaction like do you go crawl into a hole and pretend it didn't happen or do you try to make it right with the person or is it just a case-by-case thing I'm genuinely curious yeah I I feel like I'm pretty good about apologizing but like I tell the girls like the real apology is when you change your behavior and just don't do it again and I just don't seem to be capable of that like Uh -uh. it keeps happening over and over and over again um so I feel like it's just diluted apologies right putting band-aids on stuff again and again yeah that are like yep. potentially deeper than that. How about you, Beth? Do you have any examples of, of doing them. something similar? <laughs> yeah, or I like no, to scar no, my, my loved just... ones too. Yeah. <laughs> it's You've fun. Also, you have also done irreparable damage to those closest of to you. Of course, of course. Yeah, the, I'll pay for their therapy later. It's fine, it's fine. Right. Um, I guess that's a fair transaction. Yep, like Annie said, I also can... So I don't necessarily track it on my calendar, but I have what's called middle Schmerz syndrome. So you can feel it when you've ovulated. It's quite painful. Every time it happens on the right side for many years, I thought I had like my appendix was going to burst. Wow. Yeah. So pre perimenopause that would happen and that sucks. Now during perimenopause that happens and I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a raging bitch in like two days for about two days. And then it goes away. And then I'll have sort of lesser amounts of irritability for during PMS. But it came as a real surprise to me that the rage demons were so much stronger right after ovulation, as opposed to PMS, which, you know, starting as a teenager, like, of course, you're going to be bitchy to everyone in your house because it's PMS. I didn't know that could happen twice a month. Um, And as it so happens... I have two daughters and we are all out of sync by a week. Oh, wow. Mm, so it's a full month of raging hormones. So that yeah. reminds me a lot of the cuckoo clock situation that you have in your living room where you've got them <laughs> staggered a little bit to take up a maximum amount of time in an hour. They're wonderful. And I need three more. Good luck. Christmas is coming. <laughs> yes. Turn marsupial overnight. That pouch down there gave me a fright. Why are my pants so fucking tight? It's perimenopause. All right. So broad question to tack on to the end. And I'm going to just throw this one towards Beth, first of all. And I mean, we just have written here on the agenda, just so you can kind of go with this. Why mood swings? Why, Beth? Why mood swings? Okay. So obviously this is all related to our hormone levels. And estrogen is the big hormone that's playing around with our bodies. So all of the articles that I read by Psychology Today, North American Menopause Society, Healthline, Ped Medicine, Mayo Clinic, Harvard, had the same list of why this is happening to us. According to the Mayo Clinic website, uh, estrogen, so our female hormone, and serotonin levels. So serotonin is um, an antidepressant. Um, no, what is it, Annie? It's a... Serotonin, SSRI. Serotonin is an antidepressant. It's a neurotransmitter. Right, right. Sorry. Okay. You'll thinking. have to cut some of this out, Nat. Yeah. No, yeah. no. This is good stuff. Roll with it. <laughs> so serotonin is the neuro, the happy neurotransmitter that's in our brains. One of them. Uh, like dopamine. Was it norepinephrine? Norepinephrine. Is another yep. one. Uh, GABA, something or other. But yeah. estrogen and serotonin are directly linked. So as we have entered perimenopause, our estrogen levels slowly start to decrease, which also means our levels of serotonin 
start to decrease. And serotonin affect depression, anxiety, and sort of the irritability or agitation, all of those things. An article in Psychology Today explained that the reason we aren't just sort of like gradually becoming more sad or more anxious, but we'll have some months where we're fine and other months where we're not, is because the mood swings are due to hormonal fluctuations and hormonal imbalance. In terms of fluctuations, some women, our ovaries may try to compensate for the reduced estrogen, resulting in an overproduction of estrogen, which means then you have lots of serotonin or lots of estrogen happening. That's not a good thing. I'm ignorant on this stuff. I'm trying to understand it more and more. Serotonin potentially have, you know, an excess of that, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that make you feel great? Yeah, no. So you do feel good and you seem like a really normal person. And then the next month, your estrogen levels may plummet even further. So people around you and then yourself, once you have time to reflect, like Annie said, may start to think like, yeah, she's legit going crazy, but you're not going crazy. You can't help it. It's all biochemical. And then there are a lot of women who also experience a marked drop in estrogen right after ovulation. So not before your period, but right after you ovulate. Aha. That's why I'm so mean. Um, The other major hormone. That's right. The other major hormone is progesterone, uh, which will also begin to decrease during perimenopause. Progesterone and estrogen, like other hormones, work in conjunction with one another. So a lot of birth control pills have both of them in there. Uh, A swifter decrease in progesterone can lead to estrogen being the more dominant hormone. And then this can also result in depression, anxiety, and irritability because progesterone is kind of a cool hormone in that it helps to calm the brain and foster sleep. So that's why a lot of us are also experiencing sleep disturbances and cuckoo brains. I could go for some calming of the brain and fostering of sleep. I don't know if this is something that's available to me in any, even like a synthetic form. I could, I'd love to take that. Well, you could, we can put you on the pill, Matt. Is that, is, would that's that do in the pill? Yes. The birth control pill. All right. Um, the other thing, obviously sleep is huge on mood. So if you have hot flashes at night or night sweats, obviously this is going to lead to sleep disturbances that'll affect your mood. Um, I had a night sweat last week, um, right after ovulation. And the bed was literally soaked, completely soaked through with like sweat. Yep. I had to tell Steve the next day because he does the laundry. I was like, um, you might want to change the sheet (laughs) because I sweat all over them. Drenched. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've gotten better about being able to fall back to sleep afterwards. I just go in and change my clothes and then crawl back into my damp <laughs> sheets. It's all biochemical, though. It is. You can't have, we can't help it. No, we can't help it. I don't hold it against you. Thank you. Um, there's another theory. The North American Menopause Society suggests that it's not just hormones, um, but that perimenopause is also happening at a time when those of us Gen Xers are experiencing other stressors. And we alluded to this in the last episode too, such as living with adolescents, right? Two other girls in the throes of puberty, having grown children who have boomeranged home, caring for aging parents, being childless and facing sort of the end of childbearing years on top of living in a culture that prioritizes youth over aging. 
So uh, Dr. Claire Jack actually published an interesting article in Psychology Today where she lists hormonal imbalances, sleep disturbances, and hot flashes, but she also attributes mood changes to struggling with other symptoms like reduced libido, weight change, and what she calls existential panic, which I think we'll explore in a future episode. Again, because we are living in a society that puts such high value on youth and what we have accomplished in our lives. All right. Well, aside from all these things that are going on, you know, hormonally and, you know, the the outside effects that's having on uh, other people and just kind of the internalizing you might be doing with this stuff, just having to learn to live with this stuff, that can seem pretty overwhelming. Annie, I mean, how do you treat this stuff or can you treat this stuff? Do you just have to take it and grit your teeth or is there anything you can do to help? No, there are some treatment options, not as much research as I think all women would prefer, but, but we're getting there. Currently, there's hormone replacement therapy, and that's as long as you're not susceptible to blood clots or strokes. I'm type A, so I am susceptible to blood clots. And are you really? Such as, I'm yeah. type O. I know. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad are both type A, so it's totally possible. It just means they're type A possible. big eye. You, you think she's making it up? Life. I'm sure she's giving it to you straight. I'm COVID resistant. I'm not. I would, I would <laughs> that's why she's in <laughs> Iowa right now. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Maybe odds be ever in my favor. Yep. Okay, so there are things we can do. Um, antipressants such as Lexapro have been shown to not only regulate mood, but also reduce the severity and frequency of hot flashes. I'm currently on Wellbutrin because that really targets my depression. Although I do have anxiety, but um, because I really struggle with body image, Wellbutrin is one of the few medications that does not cause weight gain. However, it does increase panic. And so I would not recommend those that have depression and anxiety to go on Wellbutrin. It's really just for those that have depression. What about you, Beth? You on anything? I certainly am. I am on sertraline, which is also called Zoloft. Oh yeah. I know that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So a a lot of our family members have been on our mom's side, especially have been on medication and I had tried early on, Oh, in my twenties, but was having too many side effects, but was seeing the benefits that all of the other people in my family were reaping from the SSRIs and other antidepressants. So I finally last winter, like buckled down and did, I mean, it did take a couple of weeks to get past the side effects, but it has been so incredibly worth it. Annie, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I can tell I'm not as irritable um, or anxious, Annie says that she can tell a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. You seem happier and calmer. And when did you, st- <laughs> when did you start doing this? When did you start taking this? Uh, I started taking the Zoloft in, let's see, right now. It hasn't been quite a year hmm. since I started I taking it. I think I started. I wish you had told me when you started. Why? We could have done it together. Zoloft. That's a great idea. We could have been Zoloft buddies, but no, I was actually I mean so I could have like tracked intentionally mm-hmm. that she seemed to but if you put it in my head, then possibly it would have been biased opinion anyway. So <laughs> anyway, you're you're quite pleasant, generally speaking. When See, I, was, I was gonna just say, like Nat, you're you're too nice to be like to say, Oh, you're so much nicer lately. I, I didn't or I can imagine you saying, You've always been so nice. You have always been nice. You <laughs> are one of the nicest people that I know, but you always suggest, Annie. you always suggest, I will, to be fair, Annie, I don't know that many people 
one. But every <laughs> every time, you know, I, I'll mention something about oh, you're so nice, blah, blah, blah. You always allude to these horrible traits that you have that, you know, if I were just around you more or if I were around you like during your at-home hours, I wouldn't think that. It's hard for me to believe that that's true. I will take you at your word, but I will say that you do a pretty good job I don't know if my house counts as in public, but whenever you see me at a neutral location or at my place, you manage to hold it in. Mm. Yeah. So I've always been rather irritable. Mom, mom referred to me as prickly and explained that there was a reason (laughs) I couldn't get a boyfriend in high school. You couldn't get a boyfriend in high school? I know. What do you mean you couldn't get a boyfriend in high school? I couldn't get a boyfriend because I was prickly. They were Were stunning, but irritable. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Did you try? I mean, I put the vibes out there, but apparently they weren't still too mean for them. Wow. This concludes part one of Mood, No, You're Not Going Crazy. Originally, we wanted to put this all into one episode, but there's so much to talk about and we didn't want you to have to listen to us for 50 minutes. So stay tuned for episode... 2B. So join us in episode three, part two mood. You're still not going crazy. Until then, bleed on.